Hey guys, Jeff here from besttechie.com, and this is Techie Bytes episode 35. Today I'm speaking with John Higginson, CTO at Anova. We discuss how the role of CTO evolves as a company grows, exciting new technologies such as blockchain, and making difficult technical decisions. Enjoy. This podcast is supported by Wix.com. With Wix, you can create your own professional website. Choose a template you love or start from scratch, drag and drop to customize anything, and use advanced design features like video backgrounds and image galleries. You can even add professional business solutions like an online store, booking system, or blog. I've personally tested and reviewed Wix on Best Techie and can say without a doubt that Wix is extremely easy to use and a great choice for both novice and advanced users. So go ahead, try it yourself. Go to Wix.com and create your own website today. That's Wix, W-I-X.com. I'm here with John Higginson, the CTO at a company called Anova. They're a fintech company. John has been in the tech industry for quite some time and been a CTO for quite some time as well. So John, welcome, thanks for joining me and I'm glad you're here on the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So John and I uh, were connected by uh, someone who was also previously on the podcast, Craig uh, Vodnik from uh, CEO at Cleverbridge and co-founder there. And and I was talking to John a little bit about how he got into what he's doing as, as a CTO and kind of his start uh, you know, in technology, which we'll get to. But before we do that, I just want to give John the opportunity to kind of Give us kind of, give us a feel about who you are, what you what you do on a, you know on day to day basis, and 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 anything else that you think we should know about you. Sure. Yeah. So you know I I'm a chief technology officer, which I've found over the years has lots of different definitions. Um, you know, working for a a large public company, Innova's about a billion dollars in revenue. Um, we made unicorn status the hard way. We actually. Uh, grew to be a billion-dollar company in market cap, and my team is about 250 people. So, so my job is actually different than maybe a, a startup CTO's job would be, which would be, you know, the startup CTOs are maybe you know much more about they're still building the product. For me, it boils down to to really three things. So, a, a huge part of my job is actually people. I, I learned very early on in my career that technology always changes. You can't fall in love with any given technology or any particular pattern because it's always going to evolve. But what actually makes all that work, what gets you through those transitions, what helps you figure out problems, what helps you build the business is having great people on the team. And so job number one for me really is the health of the team, recruiting, making sure that we're organized in the right way, making sure that we're bringing the right skills onto the team and that we have the right leadership. I spend a fair amount of time every week doing two kind of main things that, that get repeated uh, week in and week out. One is recruiting. I actually talk to every single candidate that comes through the door here, including interns. In fact, later on today, I have a panel interview with five intern candidates. And I also do uh, random one-on-ones with the team. So one of the admins has a list of everyone in tech and they randomly pick people every week and I sit down with them and I ask them the same five questions and the, the questions are about their career and where they want to go and our team and what we do well and where we can get better. That gives me a really good pulse on the team and the recruiting allows me to really 
understand the people that are coming in. Let me talk to them about the culture, our mission, what we need to accomplish. And I find that those two things are, are you know, really important to building a, a strong, cohesive team. The second is technology strategy. So thinking about where technology is going. I, you know, I say to the team that our notion of user interfaces is rapidly evolving, that we thought, used to think about that as a Windows application on a desktop, and then we thought about that as a web application, then we thought about it as mobile. Now we need to think about it as an Alexa skill or somebody using uh, Google Home, and eventually you know, we'll think about that as, as other devices too, as technologies like AR and VR uh, propagate. You know, I've certainly talked with the team about blockchain. That's, um, that's been the, you know, the word of the year probably this year for Webster's. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I <laughs> talk about that and what that means to Anova and where we're going, but a lot of it is just, you know, the technology that's out there. How can we, how can we take that technology and how can we mold it into something that is valuable for us as a company, valuable for our customers and do that. And then the third thing that I do is really serve as an interface between the technology folks and the business folks. One thing I also learned over, over the years in my career is that everybody everybody in in pretty much you know every situation every company I've been in wants to get to the same place the problem is also is often vocabulary they don't really understand one another well enough to have some conversations and so when the the tech team geeks out about some technology like say blockchain and they're like oh it's really cool and this is how it works and you know this is who invented it and we think we're not really sure and they get <laughs> and then the business is like I have no idea what you just said, but then the business comes along and says, you know, it'd be really great if we had a way to have like a ledger or, you know, data that had a high level of trust and, you know, was resilient against attacks and like, well, they're talking about blockchain. And so, you know, a lot of my job is just serving as that, that bridge between tech and business saying, here's what's possible. Here's what they want to do here are the goals they want to achieve. So how can we come together and make that happen? And you know, that that's, you know, that's really where I spend my time. Nice. We, we, that, that's a lot, that's a lot of, that's a lot of different things that you, you work on. I, I want to kind of unpack a few of those things, yeah. but before we do, uh, let's talk a little bit about, let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about what Innova does mm -hmm. so we can get, so we can better understand how to, how to, how to discuss the, um, the blockchain ish, the blockchain topic. Uh, understanding when you know when uh, one of the things you just said, which I thought was really interesting, was kind of understanding when you know uh, to move to when it is the best ch uh, time to move to a different technology, even if you've been using or doing something a particular way for a long time, uh, mm -hmm. you, you, and, and realizing that 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 maybe that there's a better option out there now. Uh, but sure. yeah, first of all, what what is Innova? And explain explain to explain to us you know what you what you guys do. So Innova is a fintech company. We're based in Chicago. We both provide credit online to both consumers and businesses. And we also provide technology that helps other companies make credit decisions. We do business in three different countries on our lending, on our lending side of the house. So Brazil, US, UK. And our technology platform, which is called Innova Decisions, which is, you can really think about it as data science or analytics in a box, is something that we sell around the world. And we have companies that we've talked to in China, in Latin America, in, uh, in Europe, who can leverage that technology to basically integrate it into their site and make credit decisions. So some examples of that, uh, that 
business unit are stores, like physical stores that are selling larger value items and they want to in, offer in-store credit, but they don't have the data scientists to build a credit model. We, you know, we offer that as, a, as an API. Websites that are also offering credit online, um, education or health companies who want to extend payment plans, things like that. So we, we, provide, the, we provide the technology that powers that. We, you know, our, our company began with what was really an audacious notion back in 2004, which is that we would lend money to people, and at the time it was small dollar amounts. Today we lend, you know, anywhere from a few hundred dollars to, you know, over two hundred thousand dollars on the on the commercial lending side. But we started lending small amounts of money online, and this this idea of having a website where people could come. You could have an application that didn't feel like you were filling out a mortgage application. And at the end of that, in real time, we would tell you whether or not we could lend you money. And then we would, you know, we would get you that money all without ever meeting you in person. You know, there was no bank branch where somebody would sit across and shake your hand and take your ID, you know, was was really unique. And, and Innova really pioneered this idea of online credit, particularly for um, for people that had either no credit history or damaged credit history. And that's you know, really been a, a big part of the company. We've, we've expanded a lot since then. We offer credit across a large range of, of consumers and businesses and risk profiles. But you know, a, lot of, you know, a lot of our core mission remains providing credit to hardworking people who might not otherwise get access to it. And that's, you know, that's really the, the mission that, that drives the people here in the company. Right. So, so, so that's super interesting. I think, like, uh, I guess early on, um, you know, the, the, I guess one of the major concerns I would imagine was uh, fraud, mm-hmm. uh, especially since it was something it was new that you something you guys were doing right, uh, right. And 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 now with technologies like blockchain, and and especially aligned with the fintech space, you know, those two kind of are married now, uh, at least in terms of terminology. When you, when you hear fintech, you hear you often think, oh, they're probably doing something with the blockchain too, right? With blockchain <laughs> technology. Uh, what, how, do you, how do you think about blockchain? Is, 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 is the technology that, that, the, you know, that, that blockchain is, do you, do you see it like really, because um, I mean, look, it's been around for, let's say, almost 10 years now, if not a little bit, a little bit more than 10 years. Yeah. And it hasn't really pushed through until some, until recently, you know, the past year or two, mm-hmm. where it, people have started making noise about it, saying it's the future. And I, while I personally think the technology, the underlying technology is really uh, interesting, I just I'm not sure whether it's, you know, whether it has all the applications that people say uh, it has. But I'm curious from your yeah. perspective as a CTO at a fintech company. How, how do you view it? You know, is it is it is it going to be you know a, a, a truly kind of breakthrough technology, especially in fintech? Yeah, I, I think you know I, I I agree with you. I think I think what we did is uh, we we took all of our our hype material from four years ago and replaced in the cloud with on the blockchain, <laughs> and yeah. you know we called it a day. I um, I think there's a lot of things for which ideas have been thrown around about using the blockchain that just aren't right. You know, there's, you know, and, you know, there's lots of different reasons for that. You know, in some cases, the, you know, the level of, of trust or resiliency is not necessarily necessary for that use case. And in others, it's just a very expensive way to do it. You know, blockchain is, 
Um, and I'll get to crypto in a moment because I think there's a <laughs> there's a good of good and bad of of crypto. But I think with blockchain, I think you know it's very computationally expensive, and so you have right. to you have to weigh that. I, I think in fintech, you know, it's it's less about fraud. You know, I've certainly heard and and participated in conversations in the industry about fraud because I, I think we have you know we have pretty good ways of measuring fraud we certainly do it in over we spend a lot of time thinking about it because it is a risk when you do business online you, you never meet your customers I, I think the I think the notion of blockchain is a way to um, you know do things like a ledger you know there's there have been talks about credit reporting and, and blockchain I think I think those are potentially interesting and and uh, you know potential use cases of it but I think some of the other things are are not it's hard to it's hard to envision you know, basically, you know, turning blockchain into a database, which is what a lot of the conversations have, have turned to in, in, fin, in fintech and in healthcare and lots of other places. Uh, but I do think the technology is is um, is really valuable. And I, I think there's there's a downside to the crypto craze. So I think the the hype over crypto has been valuable in, in one regard and, and not so much another. So the the hype over crypto, if you study history, it reminds me a lot of the tulip craze in Holland in the 16th century where people discovered tulips from Turkey and everybody wanted to grow different varieties and like people were paying insane amounts of money for tulips and the you know and then it crashed. And it, it was you know revolutionary. But you know and and I know this having worked in the flower industry for a while that <laughs> actually led to it actually led to it was the biggest reason for Holland becoming a major grower of flowers and you know being you know the the center of the European flower market but you know it was a you know it was a you know hype driven um, you know catastrophic economy around tulips and crypto kind of feels the same way where you know it's there's definitely good uses of cryptocurrencies for you know, borderless money exchange for, uh, you know, ways of, you know, of just thinking about moving money around. Um, because, you know, the way that we move money around in the banking industry, both uh, from a regulatory standpoint and even from a technology standpoint, is, 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 a, is a little bit antiquated. Um, so the good part about the crypto craze is at least it's brought a lot of attention and knowledge to blockchain. And I think, you know, ultimately, when we find the right uses for blockchain, you know, we'll, you know, we'll have all the all the hype and news reporting around crypto. Um, crypto, I think, survives. You know, which one of them or which currency survives? I, I, I don't know. I, I feel, I think we're finally passed out of the craze where people thought having ICOs was a good idea for every possible thing. And uh, yeah, you know, uh, th those were th that, th out. yeah. Those times were pretty crazy. I mean, I still feel like I see them pop up every now and again still. But, uh, you know, I, like with anything, though, you, have, you know, I think, it, you know, you, as an, if you're going to invest in one, you have to be got to do your homework, right? Uh, yeah, you have but, to do your homework. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have to think about, you know, what drives it. And, and we're, we've now we're now in that kind of weird intermediate phase where there's definitely people with money who are who are manip, you know driving the, the prices and, and there's some market manipulation going on but then you also have institutions who are interested in both being brokers for cryptocurrency and potentially you know providing futures for them and so that'll be a very interesting time so I think I, I think I think it'll survive it'll survive as more of a, a traditional you know institutional led product I, I think the interesting thing in both you know both the blockchain te technology that underlies it and the implementation of that through crypto 
is something we've had with the internet for for a long time, which is this borderless nature of it. And it'll be interesting to see the cross currents of nation states who really want to control money transfer for you know lots of reasons, and this kind of borderless movement of of money around, and you know which one of those wins. You know, you could argue that you know content, you know, over the internet largely has won the has has remained borderless and. Um, information moves fairly freely around the world. It'd be interesting to see if money does the same thing in the next decades. Do, do you, I mean, there's a lot of talk like, uh, crypto, crypt, cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin or Ethereum or, you know, what have you kind of really becoming very much more mainstream and, 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 and competing with, you know, like the U S dollar and other, you know, other, other currencies. Do you, do you ever see a Nova kind of, you know, lending out Bitcoin. <laughs> like, is that is that like is that is that something yeah. that you guys like talk about or at all, or is that like just not? Is that just not something you you foresee? Yeah, I, I you know we certainly think in the you know in the far future like how think of it we think of it as two ways. So we think in the far future like how might people want to get money, right? Yeah. Today we do ACH and um, you know people you know, get money on debit cards and things like that. And so do they want money in their Bitcoin wallet, you know, or, you know, pick your cryptocurrency? Yeah, possibly they might want that. And, you know, we certainly, we certainly follow consumer trends because a big part of our business is what consumer, where consumers are with technology and, and, you know, moving along with those trends, you know, in terms of other things that, that are out there about, um, you know, moving money around or, financial products I think it really just depends on how how mature the market gets you know there's there's a, a you know Nova's a you know it's a it's a large company with responsibilities both to our customers and our shareholders and certainly the the, the governments in which we do business and so it, it, you know we're not in a position where we would you know take a flyer on you know something that you know hasn't been really vetted, you know, that, that there's no regulatory position on, which is the case with a lot of the crypto right. um, financial products out there. Right. No, that, that makes sense. You know, I, I think I think one of the important things of being a CTO at a company, especially a larger company like Inova, is that you, you definitely have to be aware of, of these trends, right, and, the, and what these things are going on, like you had mentioned earlier, because there is that possibility that that, that technology will you know, uptake and, 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 and eventually potentially replace other ways of doing things. And you have to be prepared for that, you know, and that shift, right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I tell people, uh, I, all the time and somebody asked me the other day, some, somebody who's new on the team, uh, asked me what, you know, what keep, what keeps you up at night? And I said, well, nothing really keeps me up, but I will tell you what wakes me up in a cold sweat. And that is, I never want to be blockbuster. And, um, right. <laughs> they laughed and I said, I said, look, I said, you know, there's a lot of things going on about there. We absolutely need to know about them. We absolutely need to uh, have a have a point of view about what we would do and what the trigger points would be. Um, whether or not we're doing those things today, we, we have to, you know, we have to be ready because, uh, you know, I've again, I, I've, I've been through this industry long enough to know, you know, every time we get to a point in this industry where we say this is the thing you know, like this, you know, we're going to be doing this forever. Uh, a year later, the world changes, and you know, so we just have to be ready for that. Mm -hmm. So, so, so I want to talk a little bit about you know, 
remaining effective as a CTO. You you, you know you, when you started in, in the tech industry, you know you you were you were not obviously you didn't start as a CTO of of a, of a Nova. <laughs> you 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 worked your way there. And, mm-hmm. and, and and part of that, you know, you were deploying code, you were, you know, you were working as an engineer or uh, in, yeah. the, in, in the t- as an as an IT person. And 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 now as CTO, you're not necessarily deploying production code, I would imagine, to Inova's stack or their, you know, the servers. But no, they would they would be terrified. <laughs> <laughs> so so what do you what do you do? You know, what 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 do you do to kind of stay uh, like we were talking about on uh, up up? up to date with the latest technologies, yeah. not just not just in, in fintech, but in just in general, you know, uh, whether that be programming languages or techniques or or uh, whatever the case may be. Yeah, it's a, it's a few different things. So I, uh, you know, I'm really fortunate to work with a, a ton of incredibly smart people. And so being able to, you know, to sit with them, just have hallway conversations about different technologies or different ideas that are out there. Uh, I'll, you know, I'll drop into some of the different engineering and infrastructure teams and just talk about things that they're working on. So a lot of the way I I learned about things that I may have read about, but how it's actually being implemented. So, you know, that's, that's, that's certainly a big part of it. Uh, I do read a lot. I, I, I've never lost the, the excitement for new technology and just the kind of important. (laughs) Yeah. Just like, wow, that's really cool. I wonder how that works. I wonder why you know, we're, you know, why somebody is talking about this. And, and so, you know, that, you know, that passion is really important. And I, and I still play around with different technologies. I, it's been, um, boy, it's been probably 12 years since I, I really pushed something in production. The last time I did it, I worked at FTD and, uh, we were, we were a little shorthanded in engineering. I actually rewrote a few things and, and, uh, the, the look of terror on the head of engineering face when I did <laughs> Because he's, you know, I and I and I realize he's like he's in a very difficult position because he's like, if this sucks, what do I do? <laughs> right. No. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, fair enough. <laughs> so, um, but I, you know, I do. I, I definitely, you know, poke around. I look at, you know, I'll, I'll go through code with people here and just just read things. But, you know, on the side, for a long time, I was in fantasy. I did a couple of fantasy baseball leagues, and so what I would do every year is I would write an app to help me manage my team. Um, and I think ultimately the software is better than the teams because the teams never did terribly well. But um, I would write software and I would just pick either the, you know, the up and coming language of the time or, you know, the up and coming infrastructure technology of the time. And I would write that fantasy baseball app using that technology. It's how I learned Ruby. Um, it's how I, I played around with Go. Um, and I'll do things like that. Like I found a um, I never it's kind of funny how things come full circle. I remember when Python came out because I was a Monty Python fan and it was <laughs> by some ex Apple engineers and thought, Oh, this is really cool. They named the language after Monty Python. I remember looking at this probably like 1994 or something. And then I forgot about Python for a long time. And then, you know, we use a lot of Python here for data science Yeah, and started playing around with it. And I actually found a, um, uh, some libraries that help you calculate planet orbits and, um, like, uh, like Voyager and probe trajectories and things like that and the code for it. So I started playing around with that. It's just, it's, that's how, you know, play around with that, but it's actually how I learn about like the capabilities of the language and things like that. So, so basically the bottom line is just to remain geeky. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can't, yeah, you can't ever take off the pocket protector. I think, yeah. Um, and that's, you know, I, 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 I've, you know, said this to people too, that, 
there's and I mentioned at the onset that like CTO has a lot of different definitions. So does CIO, which is a term that gets, you know, it's kind of used somewhat used interchangeably in this industry. But, you know, there's definitely people that, you know, have, you know, have um, built tech careers where they're managing a lot of uh, package software, purchase software and vendor relationships and things like that. And that's great. And those are, you know, successful people in successful companies. That's just not me. If I'm not mm-hmm. building things, I'm, you know, I'd, I'd be totally miserable. When, when you sit down with your engineering team and, and, and let's say you're going through some of the code that someone wrote, do you, do you like aside from just like reading the code and, and seeing what it does, do you do you ever do you ever just ask them like, oh, well, I see what you did here. But, you know, why did you do it this way? Just to kind of, you know, learn um, that way and also to kind of get a different perspective on things. Yeah, I actually take it up a level. I, you know, I'll see things in in the code, you know, um, syntactically or, or other things, and I'm like, I'm not sure that's the most efficient. But I have to balance that too with the fact that, you know, I, it it doesn't matter if it's just me and an engineer. I, I you know, I'm I'm wearing my title around and my role in the company around like a like a cloak, and um, you know, and so if I tell them why, well, I, I, you know, I really think, you know. You know, two space indentations bad. Four four space indentations better. Um, by the time we finish the conversation, like fifty engineers in the company will be, you know, trying to rework rework their code, and I don't, I don't <laughs> think that's a good use of anybody's time. Right. So I try to get up a level and talk more about uh, overall design and context. And so a few months ago, we were talking about a service that we built that you know looks at different events across our entire portfolio. And we were talking about, they were talking about the implementation that they had done or they were working on finishing. And I said, okay, but why are we going that way to get the data kind of going through, you know, different, a lot of different applications and business rules. Why the data is all here. Why don't we look at the data and just build something lightweight that can just examine the data and find the things you're needing. So it's more questions like that. Um, and, and getting involved in that as well as, you know, a big part of it is I, I, I try to I try to make sure people find the middle ground between architectural purity and just hacking something together because both are bad. Like you can you can do something really quick and easy, but then you have to, you wind up living with it for years. And and, you know, or if you I had that technical debt, <laughs> exactly. I'm I mean, familiar with that. <laughs> yeah. You know, if I had, you know, if I had a penny for every time somebody said to me and and that I said when I was an engineer, Oh, don't worry. I'm going to go back and rewrite this next. <laughs> and you know, ten years later, it's it, you know, it's running tens of millions of dollars in in revenue. Yeah, I I I'd, I'd, I'd be well on my way to having my own Caribbean island. But <laughs> you know, I I always thought you, we have to be careful not to do that. But we also have to be careful not to, you know, we're going to rewrite this and we're going to you know, it's going to be you know, you know, totally adheres to bounded context and we're going to follow these patterns because for one, it might just take very long to do it and two by the time we finish it the use case might have changed or the business might have evolved or something else happened so it's, it's finding that middle ground of you know solid you know good solid engineering that can be long lived and scalable um you know but not you know not following every every trend that that goes on out there right do you have any interesting war stories from either like launch days that where things just went really bad or <laughs> or went or like or actually went really well yeah, I you know I, I've um, uh, I've certainly got personal ones. I, uh, I I vividly remember when I was an engineer uh, early on. I think this was my first year out of college, 
And I had literally like the day before gotten my performance review and it had been a really good performance review. And, you know, I'd heard things from my, my then manager, like, you know, you're, you're up and coming, John. We think you've got a lot of potential here. And literally the very next day I wiped out a customer's entire database. Um, <laughs> thankfully we recovered it, but I did one of those dumb command line things where, you know, I was, you know, at the command line I'm like, Oh, I just need to get rid of some of this data. Um, cause it's damaged and I wound up getting rid of all the data. Um, so yeah, <laughs> which is part of the reason why, you know, I, when things happen here at other places I've been, I'm like, I know people are going to screw up and if they understand that they screwed up, if they learn from it and they don't repeat the same mistakes, I'm good. I, I'm, I've never been one to call somebody out and, and go, you know, how could you make that possible mistake? Because I do remember 22 year old me doing the same, you know, boneheaded thing. Mm -hmm. um, I think with launches, I think I'll tell you one that's kind of both, which I think is really cool. So when I was working at FTD and that, and that's an, you know, that business is, it's almost like two businesses, um, merged together because there's the everyday business, which is kind of a steady state, you know, people ordering gifts, flowers for birthdays and, get well and things like that. And then there's Valentine's Day and Mother's Day. When, <laughs> you know, when like, you know, uh, what you do during a week in June becomes, you know, 40 times that volume and I get, and a lot of it gets compressed. You know, um, uh, Valentine's Day in particular, which tends to be a last minute ordering holiday, um, you know, largely because guys are the ones doing the ordering and they tend not to, <laughs> not to plan ahead. So, right. um, but so working there taught me a, a lot about uh, performance engineering and about scalability and then also really about the power of the team because, um, you know, some, during holidays like that, no matter how well you prepare, something always happens. Like one year, uh, one of our telecom providers had a, had a backhoe sunk through their fiber connection and took out one of our call centers and we had to fail over. Um, you know, there's all kinds of little things that happen you just don't expect. We had a flood right. one that's, And that's like completely out of your control. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we had a yeah. flood one year that threatened the data center. Yeah, it's just, you know, things you just can't plan for, uh, can't yeah. really plan for. So we had one year, we, um, we were working with a partner to, uh, to do a promotion. And um, the partner didn't, um, the partner was doing a lot of manual stuff. So this is kind of a, you know, it's kind of a, a um, an offer where you could get like half off the flowers and, and, um, so never done an offer like this before. Um, they hadn't either. We did it and we thought that we were going to, you know, sell maybe, you know, a few, maybe 10, 20, some thousand. We wound up selling, you know, something like a hundred and fifty thousand of these. Wow. Uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, so, um, which was great and everybody was excited and, um, the day came to actually issue all these, uh, all these vouchers for people then to come to FTD and, and use them on the site. And just as a quick backdrop about this in the two weeks running up to the holiday, we always did kind of our last minute checks and we also always had some things that we, we kind of. Um, did as tabletop exercises just 
you know, for future. It was kind of getting ready for, not for that holiday, future holidays. One of our tabletop exercises was using our two U.S. data centers as active, active data centers, um, which we didn't do. They were active, passive, and we would fail over. They were both scaled to handle all the volume, and if one of them failed, we could move over. But we talked about doing them active, active as part of, like, some future, like, load balance or like maybe less infrastructure costs in the future. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we, we put these vouchers, the, the other company was supposed to send these vouchers out over the course of 24 hours doing a portion of them every hour. And around noon, our marketing team, which was four floors above us, noticed that none of them had gotten their vouchers. And so they called over to the company. They heard a lot of rustling and clanking of things and cursing in the background. And then um, they said, don't worry, we got it. And they hung up. And about 25 minutes later, as we were watching the, the shopping cart and, um, and site visit graphs for our site, we saw them go from kind of a steady, like 45 degree-ish incline to like straight up. 90 degrees hockey stick yeah <laughs> and like there was just this enormous amount of traffic we thought for sure we were under attack you know this was the thing this is something we did prepare for which is a ddos attack and we started looking started looking and somebody on the team because we were all in a war room somebody on the team had the presence of mind to call upstairs got a hold of somebody in marketing who said oh yeah the partner forgot to send these vouchers out but they sent them out I'm like what do you mean they sent them out they're like well they sent them all out so they sent all of these and so Oh boy. At lunchtime, when everybody is is not working, <laughs> yeah, they all got this email. They all clicked on the link that took them to the homepage, and like the homepage was about like the front ends were going to fall over. And I think we had I don't know like 25, 30 minutes, and so we're all in the war room. And I I started you know going around the room, and I'm like I'm I'm looking for ideas. You know what do we do? Because we can't take the emails back. It's too late. Right. And. Right. So one of the engineers who'd actually, you know, worked on and, and had, you know, thought through this active active configuration said, we need to go active active. And and uh, somebody else said, you know, well, we've never tried it. We have no idea if it's gonna work. I said, Well, since the site's probably gonna fall over anyway, we don't really <laughs> we don't really have we don't really have much to lose. So um, so I told him to go ahead. Um, he made and pushed the changes and, you know, we, we brought the other data center in line and we covered all the traffic. Um, but you know, again, I mean, that's, that was the team. Like that was not a, it was not a standard practice for us. We'd never tested it. Um, and you know, we had to basically invent a procedure on the fly. And it's one of those kind of Apollo 13 moments when you face a crisis and you know, the, the skill, the ideas, um, of the team get you through. And I think as a leader in those moments, you, you have to be the guy who's not bouncing off the wall. You can't be the guy standing over the engineer going, fix it, fix it, fix it. You, you right. Be, that doesn't, that doesn't help anybody. <laughs> yeah. You have to be, okay, we're going to, we'll figure it out. Let's talk about what the options are. No, that's good advice. I, 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 uh, I totally get that as, as much as the inclination may be to be to kind of hover Right and be like, yeah. all right, yeah, we're, we're, we're almost there, right? We almost got it fixed. Yeah. <laughs> um, what are, What are you doing now? You know, type of thing. That's yeah. definitely not the best way to approach it. No, absolutely. So let's talk. I want I want to shift gears slightly. I want to talk a little bit about sales, not necessarily you selling stuff, but people trying to sell you, trying to sell you something mm-hmm. uh, as a CTO of a company. And 
I know you've written about this. Uh, the article is actually you can find it on LinkedIn. It's it's really it's a really good read. What what are you know what are what are some things that that people do when they're trying to sell you products that you're just like what why why are you doing it you know why are you doing this why are you trying to why are you trying to reach me this way why 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 is your sales approach in you know this way you know it, this doesn't work in this day and age what yeah. what are people what are people doing um, that is just way off the mark here yeah I mean it, it's you know having had some of these tactics is why I want to bring the writing the article so you know. One thing I'll tell you the thing that that you know makes me go thermonuclear with <laughs> unhappiness is is when people send me calendar invites. It seems to have gone out of vogue, um, but you know for a, a, at least three or four years. Maybe because you're maybe because your article. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I've, I've 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 done one good thing for for the world, which is I've I've, I've stopped people from sending calendar invites unsolicited. Um, the yeah, you know, I would get these invites, and it's not hard to figure out somebody's email address. And so I would get calendar invites from people I had never met, companies I didn't know about, and you know, they would just plug it in, and I'd get it. And the problem with that is, I, you know, I get invited to a lot of things. And as I joked in the article, I'm 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 way more popular than I ever could have hoped of as the nerdy kid listening to the <laughs> in high school, um, but. So, you know, my calendar, um, my calendar automatically places thing. It's, it's, it's Google and it automatically places invites on there that doesn't accept them, but they're placed on there so I can see it all in context. And I, you know, it's a big company. There's a, you know, there's a lot of things going on. And so I'd get these invites and I'm like, who is that? Is that a new <laughs> finance person? And then I'd have to open it and I'd see, no, it's actually like a solicitation. And it's just irritated me. I, I think what one of the things that prompted me to write the article is I actually had um, some poor vendor who um, it, I must have gotten like an intern or somebody just said, hey, just set up these invites. And so I kept declining them. And this company literally sent me in the space of 48 hours, sent me eight invites for the same meeting. Oh, my God. Kept deleting them and then <laughs> kept resending them. And so, yeah, that that doesn't work. And, and actually, this is not a joke. The people that do that, I literally won't talk to. I won't I won't I won't talk to their company. I won't talk to them like they're on the list and they're, mm, they're, the, they're, the, they're on the blacklist yeah, <laughs> on the outside. Um, it's it's still it's still um, cracks me up that so many people try to call. I'm curious to know, though. Like if some, let's say you had spoken with someone prior, and then they what they do is you know, I've seen this happen, and this is this I'm somewhat okay with. Like if if you if you're like you showed some kind of interest, right, and then they're and then they send you an invite to kind of reconnect down the road. Uh, how do you yeah, feel about that, that? That I'm okay with. I mean, it's it's all about to me. It's all about like it's all about relationship building. It's all about building that bond because I'm not, you know, I'm not. In a company this size in my role, I, you know, I'm not going to pick up the phone or, or, you know, take an unsolicited meeting and that's going to, that's going to that very day lead to, um, me buying something. Um, and, and I, the other thing I tell people too is look, I, my team handles pretty much every, everything we do here. My job is to say, this is where we're going. Here's some technologies we need to look at. I've got people that negotiate those contracts, that manage those vendors, that figure out you know what we need, and work directly with them. And 
you know, but but I'm okay with that. I mean, people that I've talked to and we've actually built that relationship, it's the unsolicited thing. It's like, hey, we've never met and you don't know my company at all, but here's a calendar invite for me to drop by for an hour and tell you all about it. Mm-hmm. Right. No, that's, that's, that's not <laughs> <laughs> and for and one, and one other thing I just wanted to uh, make note of, uh, I, I believe in the article you mentioned that you actually had someone show up to your office one time and said that they were a friend of yours to the front desk. Oh, right? yeah. <laughs> I had, had um, over the years, I've had, I had somebody call and say they were my dad. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, I have, and I've twice now had, it. the most recent one was I think a year and a half ago, I had somebody show up and... Um, you know, I got a I got a message from the front desk, and they're like, uh, you know, this person's here to see you. They say they're a friend of yours, and I, and I'm like, I have no idea who that is. So I quickly Google the name, and you know, it leads me to a link for you know some uh, uh, some consulting company. Just showed up unannounced, and thought uh, he could bluff his way past the front desk. And but the, the thing about that, I don't know, and maybe this works for some people, maybe this is just me, and maybe this is a this is a character flaw for me, but like that, you know, somebody who would have bluffed their way through the front desk to get to me, I would not have gone, Hey, high five, dude, you know, way to, you know, way to, way to, way to beat the system. I would have been like, so the, our first interaction begins with you lying to somebody, my company, but yeah, let me give you some money. (laughs) I don't think that's how it's going to work. So, um, but yeah, so thankfully that's, yeah, that's less. I mean, working with the team is a big deal too. I think, um, you know, my, like I said, my team manages things and, um, you know, the, the, the vendors we work with are, are have and, and are great partners. And part of that is they, you know, they bring the team into it. They bring, you know, my direct reports into it and work with them. They don't try to like leapfrog them and get to me because right. when they, when vendors have done that historically, I said, well, there's two problems. One is, I'm not close enough to this. And so if you're going to ask me questions that help you tailor your proposal or whatever it is, I'm probably not the person with the information. The other is I'm just going to send you back to them anyway. And now, you know, I'm irritated and they're irritated. <laughs> so I'm not, right, right. It's not, it's not a good way to approach it. The best, the best thing that, that to do always, in my opinion, and having spoken to many other uh, people in sales and things like that, you, you have to build, you have to find, you have to find someone within the company who can really champion your product, your service, and and get it. You know, uh, and usually, like you said, it's 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 someone who's not the uh, in the C-suite who's going to be sign, who's going to be the one who's going to do that. It's someone of you know a couple rungs below who is going to bring it up, in, you know, in uh, through the proper channels and really say, hey, you know, I fe- we we I've been talking to this guy who or this woman, you know, who's at X Y Z company and they're doing this and I think could be really beneficial for what we're doing with this. You know, mm-hmm. you're you're more likely to take your team uh, at their word than someone who's coming in from out of blue lying trying to get through the front door. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and they're they're vendors that I've had multi-year relationships with because they've done it that way. They they've built, you know, they've built credibility with me, with the team. And not only have they remained vendors, but those are the people when I talk to my peers in uh, in the CTO CIO community and they say, hey, I need a vendor that does this. I'm like, you know, here's who you should call. And, you know, because I I trust them and I, I know that they've taken the time to to understand my business and my needs so that we can get it right. Right, absolutely. So I have one last question before we get to the lightning round. Yep. And and this one I think is is a good one to ask to kind of end on. I think 
What advice would you give to an engineer or a manager who aspires to become a CTO? I think we kind of hit on a lot of these points that you're probably going to mention uh, now, but I'd love to kind of just like package it all up and see what's into like a sound piece of advice. Yeah, I, I think you know one of the biggest things in just moving, you know, quote unquote, moving up in an organization is being willing to raise your hand and, and take on things that, you know, that that may be uncomfortable um, because you haven't done it before, or maybe unknown or new or things like that, or just uh, or they just have to get done. Um, you know, in in my career, I've taken on you know projects that were unknown. Like I, I was one of the first. Windows engineers in in my first company at a time when nobody really knew if Windows was going to be as po- you know going to be a popular platform for application development. Um, I've taken on project management tasks because things had to get done. I you know I've taken on um, uh, you know mentoring other things across not just tech but across other teams just to you know to help that person and help the organization. So raising your hands a huge part of that. I think just saying here's something that that I think needs to get done and and I'm going to take it on my shoulders and make that happen is is a really big part of that. Uh, I I think the other big part of it is um, really being willing to uh, to to state your opinion, um, not to be you know not to be argumentative and and you know turn people off by you know by stamping your feet on the, on the ground or, or yelling, but, but, you know, having an opinion saying, and especially if it's, it's a, you know, if it's different from the prevailing wisdom and saying, no, actually there's a better way to do this. Actually, there's a, there's something else we could do. There's a new product idea and being able to push that forward because those ultimately are the two things that will lead you to the opportunities to become a leader and make you a, a successful one when you get there. Um, and then you, you know, and I, I think the, the bonus one would be don't ever forget where you came from. Um, I've, I've never tried, I've tried never to forget what it was like to be an engineer and not know the company, you know, not know a lot about the company strategy or not know the thinking of the executives or not know why certain decisions were made and carry that into my interactions with the engineers here so that I can help them understand the why of what we do. Mm-hmm. All good advice. I, I, I have to completely agree with all of it. And uh, I think that's a great way to kind of end this conversation and move over to Lightning Round, which, of course, supported by Wix, where you can create a professional yep. website today. That's wix.com. That's wix.com. So, John, whenever you're ready, you let me know. We'll get started. I'm ready. Is there a buzzer? There's no buzzer. <laughs> uh, there, maybe one day I'll get the buzzer. <laughs> Do you play any instruments? And if so, which? Uh, I don't play any instruments, but I, I do sing. And I have uh, I have a couple of bands, both in high school and outside of high school. What, what kind of music did you guys play? Um, well, in the high school band, it was a lot of you know you know kind of really bad uh, synth pop and, uh-huh. uh, and new wave bands. Um, later on, it was like you know hits of like the '90s and 2000s. Cool. I think I know the answer to this next one only because of an email you sent me right before the podcast. But I'll ask it: Mac or PC? Oh, Mac. Yeah, yeah. I. I, I joke, it's only half joking that when I, we have new people that join and they ask for Windows machines, I'm like, I'm judging you. It's, <laughs> it's only partially a joke. <laughs> you, actually, you actually just send them a Mac instead and they don't you know, deal with it. <laughs> bedroom, office, off, um, bedroom, office, desk, or car, which one do you clean first? Ooh, um, 
probably office. Uh, I, I have a real problem with clutter when I'm working. It, it distracts me. So um, I, I could send you a picture of my office. There's literally nothing in it. People make fun of, fun of me <laughs> all the time. <laughs> if, uh, if someone narrated your life, who would you want to be the narrator? Oh, Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, that's interesting. That's a good one. <laughs> I, I feel like a lot. That's the this is the first time I've asked that particular question. I feel like a lot of people would probably say like Morgan Freeman, but I but Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> He's the voice of authority, but I kind of feel like if somebody's going to narrate my life, I'd, I'd I'd want them to throw some some f bombs in there. So <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, last one. Would you rather live a week in the future or relive a week in the past? Hmm. That's a really tough one. I would have to say, I'd like to, I'd like to live a week in the future, um, but like in the farther future. Like I'd like to leap ahead, like seventy-five years. Like too far, I, I wouldn't, you know, it, nothing would make sense. But like far enough, like the distance between, like, jet power and today. I'd love to mm -hmm. see where we are, you know, seventy-five years from now, and, and what the world is like. Cool. I like that answer. So, John, uh, uh, John Higginson, I really appreciate you being on the podcast today. If anyone wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, you can certainly check out uh, my LinkedIn. Don't, well, certainly, and, and don't show up to his office. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, certainly. Um, you can reach out to me on, on social media. I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter is John J, the letter J Higginson. Um, and uh, you can... Um, you can connect with me there. And then uh, if you'd like to email me, my email address here is just jhigginson at enova.com. Nice. Well, John, again, it's been great to have you on. I really appreciate it. Have a good, yeah, I hope you have a good rest a lot of your day. Fun. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. A lot of fun. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Techie Bites. Stay tuned for more episodes every Tuesday with awesome interviews and conversations about technology and business. If you like what we're doing, please consider supporting the podcast at anchor.fm slash besttechie and or by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. Both ways help us greatly and are much appreciated. So thank you. Until next time, we'll see you. And remember, remember, take care of your computers.